0: Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm Jim Oliver, your host, and with me today is a great guest, Jack Miller. Welcome, Jack.
1: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be with you and your uh, audience today. I'm really excited about it.
0: Yeah, me too, because I don't think we've had anybody that does anywhere near what you do. So, Jack, tell us a little bit about you and, and, and your company and what you guys do.
1: Um, well, I, I guess I'll start with what we do now. I've had a long uh, career. I'm 58, and effectively, I've been doing the same thing since I've been 18. So it's hard to believe I've really been in the, um, the mortgage and lending and commercial real estate business for 40 years, but it, it's a fact. And during those 40 years, you know, the economy's changed. The whole industry's reinvented themselves so many times. So we've had to reinvent ourselves as well. But throughout the times, uh, we're really in two separate businesses, but they're they're complementary. One is we finance um, real estate investors, typically people who don't want to go to a bank or can't go to a bank. Uh, And the second is we finance small business owners. The same thing—they don't want to go to a bank or they can't go to a bank. Uh, People are generally coming to us with to make money on our money, Um, you you know. And um, the loans could be anywhere from. You know, a hundred thousand dollar loan, a guy who owns a bakery or a pizza place, or we have a loan closing today, it's a three million dollar loan, guy buying a 190 unit apartment building in Ohio. Um, so we try to present financial alternatives or lending alternatives to people uh, all surrounded around real estate. Um, and conversely, uh, we don't do it as just debt. Well, the bulk of it is debt. We also are equity players. So if we find a deal, Uh, or if a borrower brings us a deal, but we'll also put up the equity side and be a partner in the deal if they want us. Sometimes they don't want us, sometimes they do want us. So we we like to provide whatever capital's needed to get into a good
0: deal. That's really interesting. Um, You know, Jack, so a lot of people in this audience are either real estate investors or wanna be real estate investors and just haven't gotten started, wouldn't know where to start. Talk about like your kind of ideal or maybe talk about even an example of a couple of deals that you've done and who in the audience might be an ideal candidate to work with you.
1: You know, we do such a far ranging, um, type of deal. So I'll just tick off a few real fast, just, and I'm going to try to do the extremes. Um, last week we had a closing, uh, a lady, uh, uh, purchased a home in Birmingham, Alabama. She ran short, and it was a, a fixer-upper. It was a fix and flip. She ran short on the money to fix it. Um, no one would finance her. We provided the capital she needed. Uh, we also, uh, last week, had a closing in Texas. Guy had uh, s- uh, signed up to buy a new home to rent it out. The lender closed down because of COVID. Uh, we financed it. So that's, kind of our bread and butter deals um, you know they real estate investors or their owners of small business they're looking for capital for usually a year to three years to get them over a hurdle um, you know maybe they can't verify their income or their tax returns aren't in order or they have they, they have some credit dings or things of that nature so we're doing those deals and that's our bread and butter core product uh, and today I mentioned we're closing a deal a guy who's buying an opportunistic property in Ohio, and we're lending him $3 million. Um, and his plan is he's going to fix up the property. It's a, it's a multifamily, I think 190 units. Uh, so we're doing that deal. Uh, we do all kinds of deals, and not one of them is alike. We, we did a deal uh, a couple years ago. It was a, a bankruptcy buyout. We do debtor and possession loans, You know, all kinds of deals. Again, the key focus to us is the real estate is good real estate. The assets are good real estate but usually they have a story to them. You know, it could be through a bankruptcy or a foreclosure problem, or maybe two partners are fighting. Uh, So a lot of times there's stories or they just need to close it quick. And we can move quick because we're unregulated. Um, 90% of the time uh, when someone calls up, they're gonna speak to a decision maker. They'll get an answer within the first 30 or 60 seconds. We can issue a term sheet within a half hour. And close the deal very, very quick. And people are coming to us for access and
0: speed. Right, well that is quick, wow. So Jack, talk about, because you've been in the business for 40 years, maybe talk about why people can't get money at banks or you know, the process, how the process is different when you're going to the commercial bank. You know, one of the things that we teach people is how to become their own banker because in a small business, you need to access the capital and there's so many things that happen. Like you get a line of credit, but then if the business maybe is struggling, maybe through COVID or something like that, then they call the note or they convert it or something like that. But that's, that's assuming you can even get the loan. But what talk about like why people can't get loans or what you see or kind of, cause you've been in this 40 years. I mean, like you said, the market's changed a lot. The banking has changed a lot in those forty years,
1: yeah, so it, it's funny because we've been in business. we have. We've been in business forty years, or, or the company's been in business thirty two years. I've been in the industry for forty years. but you know every three or five years, the business changes uh, because of regulatory issues and the economic issues. So you know, I could tell you that we've been in business for thirty two years, which is a fact. We have. We started February first, nineteen eighty nine. Yelp Financial, but then I can also tell you, you know, every three years we have to reinvent ourselves. So the key to success—you didn't ask me this, I'm kind of chiming in. The key to success for us has been to be able to reinvent yourself um, yeah. to the to the regulatory and the market. Obviously, the internet was huge. You know, there's been a, so many big things that have affected the market. But to answer your question, you, you know, um, and I don't want to get too deep into it, but all banks are regulated by the FDIC. And for about, uh, since the, the 06 to, to, to 11 crisis, all underwriting decisions have come out of the FDIC. So whether you're applying for an auto loan in Houston or um, home equity loan in Milwaukee, it really, you think that your banker is making that decision on whether they should give you the loan or not. But the reality is that decision is being made by the federal, by the FDIC and the U.S. government um, through the regulations they put on banks. Uh, The the regulators are very, uh, and I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm not talking about politics. They are very stringent with banks. There's an incredible amount of bank regulation. So that affects things. So banks can't do a lot of deals that they want to do. Banks can't work with you, you know, no longer are the days where you got to know your bank, your parents were banking there, they knew you, you knew them, and they would do you a favor. No, today it, it's all done at the federal level, they don't know you, you're not, you're, you're, you're not even a number to them, they don't care. So it, that stops a lot of people from getting loans, and then, believe it or not, a lot of people get loans and have their loans called but in default, technical default, even though they're paying their loans perfectly. So we do a tremendous amount of deals where the borrowers are paying their loans perfectly, but yet they're in default, They need to refinance.
0: How can that happen, Jack? How does that happen where they're in default and they're paying all their payments?
1: Well, because you can be in default for many things beside monetary. Uh-huh. Most people think if you're in default, you're in default because you didn't pay them. You owe right. them 1000 a, a month or 2000 a month or whatever it is and you didn't pay them. But we're, we see tons of what we call technical defaults that maybe they didn't meet the debt service coverage. Maybe uh, the, one of the covenants wasn't met. Maybe the balloon wasn't met. There's tons and tons okay. of people put in default because of non-monetary defaults, especially now. Look, it's been this way for the past 10 years. With COVID, it's this way now. So give you an example. Uh, I got a call Sunday, yesterday, uh, a guy I know owns a shopping center. He's paying the lender perfectly. He's not behind. But one of the big tenants in the shopping center closed down and that triggered a default on the loan and the lender's gonna put him in default. So here's a case, he's paying the loan fine. He has plenty of cash but the lender locked down the cash and is putting them in default. And we see this happening in mass, in mass throughout the country. It, it's the big stuff, it's the little stuff. It, it's not just the, the, the little guy, it's happening on the, the, the big malls, the shopping centers, big apartment buildings, the hundred million dollar deals, the, the billion dollar deals, as well as the hundred and two and $200,000 deals. You know, last year, Uh, A pretty big bank in uh, New Jersey, South Jersey, made a decision that they didn't want any more gas. This is before COVID, maybe a year and a half ago. They made a decision they didn't want any more gas stations on their books because they had too many of them. So what they did was they sent all their gas stations on their books. Maybe there was I don't know how many, but uh, on their books. But we refinanced six of them all within South Jersey, all with one lender. Wow! And they were paying perfectly because the bank because it came from the federal government said, we don't want these on our books too risky for us. So, so yeah, man, yeah, go ahead. There, there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere right. to go. So then they have to come to companies like Gelt. So the good point part about companies to Gelt, you are more than a number to us. We know you, we're a human. Um, you, you know, We can let you know right away. We're a lot more flexible, a lot more lenient, but self-understood. We're more expensive than a bank. So you have this trade-off.
0: Right, but like you said, if I'm going to go out, this is one of the questions I ask people when I meet with them, and I try to explain infinite banking because it's an interest-only loan. Is I explain it like this: is let's say that uh, Jack, I would loan you a hundred million dollars today, and the only obligation was that one year from today you got to pay me five million dollars worth of interest. Would you take the loan?
1: I, I got it. The the problem is. The answer may be, yeah, but in the average loan document, you're not signing one document. You're signing agreements that are probably 20, 30, 40 pages, and right. they have every kind of crazy agreements in there.
0: Yeah.
1: Everything you can imagine are in there. Common act of default is, let's say there's two partners, and one of them died. He dies. Right. Yeah. Obviously, he doesn't mean to die. Yeah. He dies. The bank could put the loan in default.
0: So what's the purpose of them putting it in a default? To get rid of it, right?
1: To get rid of it? Yeah, to get rid of it. So what's happening is uh, banks are putting borrowers, uh, whether they be real estate investors or owners of small business, you know, really hardworking people in default, and, uh, or they can't borrow money from banks and they come to non-bank lenders like myself.
0: So, okay, so you said it was more expensive. I get that it should be more expensive because you're, you know, anytime that you have um, less regulation or, or lower the requirements, then the the money, so to speak, is going to be more expensive. It's like if, if you want to have no collateral, like on a credit card, then you're going to pay, you know, you're going to pay a higher interest rate than if you're going to have collateral, say, on your business or a building or something like that. So, how much more expensive? What's the, I mean, like, what's the bank rates right now? And what is kind of uh, the average for you guys?
1: Uh, you know, a bank rate could be five, 6%. Um, you know, we could be nine and a half, 10, 10 and a half, 11. Yeah. You know, just all depends on the deal.
0: Yeah. But, you know, for a business owner, like, I'll, I'll give you an example is I own uh, 14 different businesses. And one of the businesses that we have a fulfillment business so where, We uh, provide computers to a Fortune 500 company that's worldwide, it's a worldwide call center. But we'll need hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars to buy the parts. Now we have a PO, right? You know, we have a PO from a reputable company and all we gotta do is buy the parts, assemble the computers and deliver them, right? If I needed to do that and my margin on something like that is around 24%. Right now, if I and I only really need the money for about one hundred and twenty days. So with something like that, could I bring that to you and say, hey, I'm looking to um, borrow some money to fulfill this PO?
1: Yeah, we we don't. Our company doesn't do PO financing uh, per se, but it's the same line of same thinking. Look, the reality is, I'll use your example. If you have to pay a little more for that, it doesn't matter because you're making money with their money.
0: That was my point. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Is that it doesn't matter if I have to pay more or like on the $100 million question, it doesn't really matter whether I, you have to pay me 5% or 10% or whatever it is, is. As long as if I'm making 20 or 25% on the deal, what's the alternative? Not getting the deal? You
1: know, we, we got a call, I think it was, I'm going to say the day before Christmas, maybe Christmas Eve day, from a group of borrowers who bought a, or they signed an agreement of sale to buy a, a strip center that was 50% vacant, and the 50% was that was occupied, there was almost no information on the tenants. You knew someone was there just by looking at it, but you really didn't have leases. But they bought it for about 30 bucks a foot. We thought that that was worth, once it was stabilized, about 125 to 150 a foot. Yeah, Uh, They needed to close. uh, And again, they bought it from an auction. So it was a little bit, it was almost no information. They needed to close by by calendar 2019. We got them to close in like four days, five days without any leases, without anything. So, you you know, now if, if you ask them, Did they pay a little more? They say, yeah, but they say, you know what? We also paid probably a million dollars less for the property than it's worth. So you know what? It's the cost of doing business. The reality is our customers make money and save money by using our money. They don't look at our money as a cost to them. They look at it as the opportunity that gets them in the deal because without our financing, they can't get in the deal.
0: I honestly think that I'm I'm hoping that some of my guys that run some of my companies aren't listening because when I loan money to our companies, I'm always in the 12 to 20% range. And so, uh, you know, if my guys are listening, they're going to probably go to your website and uh, not come to me anymore, but I'm just kidding. But no, I think that, you know, when I do those kinds of loans, what I'm looking for is good collateral. You know, I'm looking for, you know, I always tell people, I always kid around and say, you know, I want the collateral to be so good that I hope that you default. And there's, by the way, so does the bank, right? The bank wants that too, is they want some kind of collateral. Are there requirements for your program? What are, what are some of those requirements or what are some of the things that you see people uh, that, that makes this work?
1: You know, we're looking at uh, commercial real estate and investment real estate. So if someone's living in the property and it's their owner occupied, then we don't do it. But as long as it's commercial or investment, we'll take a look at it. And generally, we want to be a 65% leverage. But yeah. we do our, our leverage a little different because, uh, one, if a guy, we, we just did a deal, um, I'm going to say, let's say a month ago, guy was buying a property for 150000 We lent him 150000 but he also owned another property for roughly 150,000 right around the corner. So he took a blanket on that property. So from our perspective, we were like a 50% leverage. From his perspective, he got 100%.
0: Right, right.
1: Or, so that's an example, or there's other examples. Um, Let's say you have a guy buying a property for, and this happened to us too. Um, uh, maybe a couple months ago, guy was buying a property not too far from Chicago for I think ninety-five thousand, but it was worth like three hundred thousand. So we lent him the full money right. on that. So, wow. but but in general, we want to be at a sixty-five percent leverage point.
0: Well, it's a yeah. No, I'm I'm thinking like uh, as a real estate investor, what kind of deals that I come and I do come across deals all the time. And honestly, um, I thought your rates were going to, like I said earlier, were going to be higher than what you just said, because um, I think those rates are pretty reasonable or very reasonable when you, when it comes to the opportunity that you're trying to take down, just like you said, in those two examples, nobody's saying, Hey, what's my interest rate. I just need the money to make the deal happen. And then once I get the deal to happen, now I'm making money. And it goes that it goes back to, if you're making 20 or 30% on the deal or even more in in some of those examples that you're giving, then the money that, that they're paying you is cheap.
1: That's the way it usually goes. And I tell people, if you're not making money with my money, it's probably not the right deal.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not just for an operating loan or something like that, that, that you need, um, you know, just, uh, just to pay your payroll or something, you know, it's, it's, but, um, that's interesting. That so all kinds of different deals, fast closing. What how do they get a hold of you, Jack? Uh,
1: you know, they can go to our website, Geltfinancial.com, self understood. Uh or they can of course call the office at five six one two two one oh nine hundred. Um, and you know, today everyone's twenty four seven, so uh the, the modern technology of uh, the internet and web. And, uh, you know, it's a pretty much a 24 seven operation.
0: Yeah. I, I I'm smiling cause I understand. And that's, that's exactly how our operation is as well. Um, you know, Jack, so, you know, I'm going to go way back to the beginning. How did you get into this business at 18 years old? That's like, I, you know, I'm 55 and I think about being in business 32 years, but Forty years in the business from eighteen—that's really how did how did you just decide? You know, because the the name of this podcast, Jack, is Breakaway Wealth. How how people break away from the herd, and you know, one of the ways that I hope people are out there can use their imagination is that if you're going to be a real estate investor, then you're really only limited to how much money you can get your hands on. Then obviously finding good deals, and this is this is another avenue that you may be able to use to close deals. But Jack, how did you break away from the herd?
1: You know, as a background, uh, you know, some people seem to go through life and always hit the ball the first time, hit it out the park or hit the nail on the head the first time. I'm not that guy. I'm the guy who struggles at everything. I'm the guy who fails, gets knocked on his backside, uh, gets bloodied noses constantly. Uh, I'm the guy who fails and, and struggles with everything. Uh, nothing comes easy for me. Not one thing comes easy for me. I've had to grapple and claw for everything, but I I also don't give up. So, you know, the, the reality is in our business, there's almost no one who's been doing it as long as we have. And the simple reason is we're very resilient. We embrace change. Some people, when change happens, they run away from it. They close their business, they open up a new business. We've been able to take tough times and plow our way through them. So it just comes down to a sheer determination of plowing your way through it. And there were, there were some really tough times we've had. I mean, really tough times that some people didn't think we were going to make it, including me at some point. You know, I always thought we would make it. But brutal times that I wouldn't want anyone to live through economically. But every day you have to keep reinventing yourself. And you have to keep plugging away and you have to, can't get caught up in the negativity of it and the changes. You just have to keep plugging away and keep reinventing yourself.
0: That's absolutely right, Jack. I agree with that a hundred percent. You're either winning or you're learning, right? And uh-huh. yep, every time you fail, there's a lesson in that, in that failure. That lesson makes that failure worth it. And, you know, they always talk about, you know, numbers, whether it's Babe Ruth or Michael Jordan about all the shots that Michael Jordan missed, all the game ending buzzer beaters that he missed, you know, all of those things, uh, all those failures are the strikeouts for Babe Ruth, you know, so we're not judged by our failures, we're judged by our successes. And, you know, nobody really cares about the failure. And you shouldn't care about it either, as long as it doesn't, you know, make you lay down on the fetal position on your couch and not do anything. Because the only way to get back from failure, like you said, is the fight your way out of failure, right? And learn and keep going.
1: Yep, that's that's what it's been for us. I wish I had a great skill that I didn't have to, but yeah. that's the reality.
0: Yeah, I always think that unless you, you hit the lottery, not literally, but you hit the lottery of either you're in the right place at the right time or like you said, you're lucky. And it hasn't been that way for me either is it's, it's never been like, hey, that's just, that was easy it's always been, oh, man, we learned a lesson, try again, try harder, think bigger, you know, uh, uh, get the right people on the bus, whatever it is, and just keep moving forward. So, you know, Jack, I always like uh people to share. Normally, there's one or two or three books that you've read in your life or somebody's introduced you to that has made a big difference in your life. Can you share maybe a book or two or three that, that you would put in that category?
1: You know, I, I don't know if I can share one or two or three. The reality is I'm an avid reader. Yeah. I read trade publications all day long. Uh, and I'm always reading one or two books. So my library at home has probably thousands of business books in them. You know, I, I happen to be a big fan of Behind the Golden Arches. It's an old one. It's a story of McDonald's. But there's so many good ones. You know, when you read uh, the stories of... These, the pioneers, the Carnegies, the Mellons, the Rockefellers, uh, the Heinzes, you, you know, all of them have stories and all of them had hardships, you know, Hershey, you know, you know, uh, you know read about Hershey, all of these guys, you know, I, I would tell people, watch the making of America, or the men who made America, I think it's on uh, History Channel, one of those. Yeah, but th- there's so many great stories that motivate me all the time. Um, and you realize that, you know, you see someone and you see them, they're, they're successful, but what you don't see is all the hardships that, that they've went through and all the struggles. So it makes, and you start to realize that, Hey, you're kind of sort of like them, you know, they struggled too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, how many times that, like you said, you can get knocked down and keep on getting back up. And those guys, um, you know, I've read, I've read a lot about past, Uh, success stories and where people think that, oh, this came out of nothing or it was an overnight success, but then you look at the story and it was, you know, an overnight success over a 20 year period or something like that. You know, it's,
1: yeah, it's, it's usually that way. It's usually that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Jack, one more time, how do people get a hold of you?
1: Uh, You can check us out at
0: Gelt, G E L T
1: financial.com. Or uh, our other website, quickliquidity.com, or call us at
0: 561-221-0900. Jack, when I look at what you're doing, is to get a deal done. Like you said, some of the deals that you just said were, you know, just great deals. You know, buying something for ninety five that's, you know, worth three hundred, and and those kinds of deals. And those deals are out there. They again take work to find, and but when you find them. Sometimes it's speed of being able to close the deal, and you know i I would encourage everybody to learn more about um alternative financing options and you know we spend a lot of time talking about infinite banking, but I mean, I can tell you that I lend money to my companies and other companies, and uh it's always been a positive for me because as long as I have the right collateral then i'm good and so there are times where we need deals to come together quick and there's not time to syndicate it or whatever. Uh, Jack would definitely keep you in mind. I want to thank you so much uh, for coming on any famous last words or anything that, that we didn't cover.
1: You know, I actually think it's easier today. Some people say it's harder today, but I would argue it's easier for today to be successful than ever before. And, uh, anyone who's starting out, or even if you're not starting out, if you're like me, you know, who's old already, uh, I think there's more opportunities in today's market than I've ever seen in the horizon. So I really think um, anyone who wants to do it, who sets their mind to do it, can do it.
0: You know, that's a, that's a great way to end it up, Jack, because like I said, the, the title of this podcast is Breakaway Wealth. And to break away from the rat race, you have to take action. So until next time, I'm your host, Jim Oliver. Thank you, Jack, for joining us. Breakaway. Let's do it. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.